0: And good morning, everybody. This is 1340 KDLM, the station you can count on. This is the KDLM Sports Wrap, Breaking down everything that's happened in the last 24 hours. We'll talk some gopher men's hockey. If you listen to the game last night, extending their five-game winning streak to begin the season in East Lansing. The Loons headed to the Western Conference Finals. We'll talk about that as well. And we'll dive into uh, what's going on with the MSHSL and kind of... Uh, a pointless meeting, in in my opinion, yesterday. Basically, it's it's a game of of hurry up and wait when it comes to high school sports. Governor Walls's latest executive order and uh, dates for high school sports. Let's rewind the last twenty four hours in sports here, real quick, shall we? If I can find my button, here it is. Rewind time. Rewind. Oh,
1: rewind.
0: One. Let's start with Minnesota United heading to the Western Conference Final for the first time in franchise history after shocking Sporting Kansas City three to nothing last night. The four seed Loons upsetting the number one seed Kansas City. They're now going to play the Seattle Sounders after registering the second playoff win in franchise history. United were lucky to uh, still be level after soaking up some serious pressure from Sporting the first twenty five minutes. United had keeper Dane Saint Clair to thank after he made a series of saves while defender Michael Boxel kept the game goalless with the goal line clearance. What followed that? Arguably the most exciting 12 minutes that Minnesota soccer has ever seen. Kevin Molino, who scored twice in United's 3-0 win over Colorado in the first round of the playoffs, bagged another brace as he continued what is currently a march towards the playoffs MVP. His second, a beauty, latching onto a cheeky chip reverse pass from Emmanuel Reynoso. Reynoso provided the assist for Molino's first two and completed a hat-trick of assists in the 39 minute when he set up Baquet DeBassi to make it three, putting the game beyond reach of Sporting. The Lewins will meet number 2 seeded Seattle Monday with the winner going to the MLS Cup Final to face either New England or Columbus.
1: Hands it off to McLaughlin. He shoots! It's right on! Reedy was there looking for the deflect. Now Walker passes it back up top. Walker in the left circle takes it. Out in front, Reedy with a stuff-in shot. Block, still loose, to score! Scott Reedy bangs home his fourth of the year, and the Gophers strike for their second power play
0: goal tonight. Number five, Gopher men's hockey program. Out to its best start in nine years after besting Michigan State last night, 3-1 to one, in the two-game series opener at Munn Ice Arena in East Lansing. The last time the Gopher hockey team uh, started the season with five straight wins was 2011 that ended with a WCHA regular season championship and an NCAA Frozen Four appearance. Scoring for the Gophers in that 3-1 to win, Ben Myers, Sampo Ranta, and like you heard there, Scott Reedy, uh, scoring for the burning gold. Uh, Robbie Stucker, his first game back, uh, assisted on two power play goals for Minnesota in his first appearance of the season. The Gophers have now outscored their opponents 16-5 their first five games. And after the game, head coach Bob Motzko praised the special teams. Five power play goals through five games and none given up on the penalty kill. Penalty kill starts with LaFontaine, obviously. And and, and then you, you do have to, like our defensive core again tonight was, was you know, that there's such a factor in the game. Uh, how we break pucks out, you know, how we keep it alive. It was great getting Stucker back in there tonight. Um, and, you know, you watch that film back, and you're going to see a real special uh, group. Uh, group back there on the blue line that that had a great first road game. Coach mentioned Jack Lafontaine. He was named the National Goaltender of the Month for November uh, yesterday. Posted another noteworthy performance. His 13th consecutive start, his seventh straight win, stopped 24 of 25 shots. Michigan State did end his scoreless streak at 143 minutes and 13 seconds. That dates back to the Ohio State game on November 23rd. Gophers and the Spartans close out their series tonight at 7 o'clock as Minnesota looks to extend its hot start to six straight wins. The last time the Gophers started 6-0 and was the 2001-2002 campaign. They won their first 13 starts before winning the first of back-to-back national championships. Three. It's a game of hurry-up-and-wait for the MSHSL. Uh, the Board of Directors meeting yesterday in kind of a a meeting, not so much to get anything accomplished, but so uh, more so to to answer questions and just get things on the calendar for parents and students. Nothing can happen high school sports-wise until Governor Tim Walz's latest executive order is lifted. That would be a week from, well, two weeks from today, right? That'd be the 19th? Yeah, December 19th is when it expires. That means, according to the MSHSL board, practices could begin on Monday the 21st. The issue there is Governor Walls needs to lift that executive order and all signs point to him extending it through the Christmas holiday, which I think makes sense. You're not going to have everybody stay home for Thanksgiving. Just let them go out and get sick for Christmas and delay what we've done for the last three weeks uh, and, and make it all a, a moot point. Here is the, the three scenarios that the MSHSL laid out yesterday for high school sports. If the governor's restrictions are lifted when they're scheduled to, two weeks from today, practices start December 21st. Games can start January 4th. If the the executive order is extended, they're looking at a January 4th practice start date, and then games can start on January 11th. Worst case scenario, well, not worst case scenario, worst case scenario is, is everything gets canceled and there's no winter sports. But the third scenario is there's a January 18th practice start date with contests beginning on January 25th. All three of these calendar models were approved. So the thing that's going to dictate which one is used is when the shutdown ends. The MSHSL will hold a statewide conference call with athletics directors to explain all three Calendars. No matter what calendar is selected, school districts will have the final say about which sports are allowed to resume it at schools, though nothing happens unless the MSHSL and state government are allowing sports and activities to resume. Yesterday's board meeting directly impacts boys and girls basketball, boys and girls hockey, wrestling, alpine and nordic skiing, swimming, dance, gymnastics, and adapted floor hockey. State tournaments also discussed, and the league is attempting to build those tournaments into the schedule. If the shutdown is still in place on January eighteenth, the MSHSL would need to come up with a plan B. Three. Bonus number three. Look at some national headlines. The NFL has reinstated wide receiver Josh Gordon. He plays for the Seattle Seahawks. Well, he's he's on the Seattle Seahawks roster. Uh, signed a one-year deal with Seattle in September. He began COVID nineteen testing on Friday and will be eligible to play Week fifteen for the Seahawks. One of the college football playoff semifinals will be played without fans. The Rose Bowl, which has also been played without Gophers since 1961, announced that no fans will attend the January 1st game due to COVID-19 restrictions in California. The January 2nd Fiesta Bowl in Arizona only going to allow immediate families. Some NBA news. A day after extending LeBron James, the Lakers have locked up forward Anthony Davis, which was really not a question. AD's agent tells ESPN he has agreed to a five-year, $190 million max deal. AD averaged 26-9-2 as LA captured his first NBA title since 2010. Back to the NFL, some injury news. The Pittsburgh Steelers losing a key member of their defense. Uh, ESPN reporting that linebacker Bud Dupree has a torn ACL and is done for the year. He was hurt during Wednesday's win over over the Ravens. The raisins. They look like raisins out there. He ends his season with 26 tackles and 8 sacks. Coming up, second half of the Sports Wrap, we're going to give Joe Johnson a call from vikingsterritory.com. going to talk about uh, how we feel about that Carolina win six days later, five, six days later, however long it's been. Uh, also turn our attention to uh, lowly Jacksonville and how this could potentially be a trap game for Minnesota. Last time there was a guaranteed win. Uh, the Vikings lost 31-28 to the Dallas Cowboys, and they have not been good. So I'm nervous about Jacksonville. I'll talk about the offensive line and what the, uh, the Ezra Cleveland injury uh, means for continued success for Brett Jones, who hasn't played terrible. Talking to John Johnson for Vikings Territory next on KDLM.
1: I'm Steve Wiseman with NFL Network now on the Westwood One Radio Network. Call them the San Francisco 49ers of Arizona. After new COVID regulations forced them out of California, the Niners held their first practice in their new home of Arizona, where they'll play their next two home games. Head coach Kyle Shanahan on Thursday asked his players to watch out for each other mentally and emotionally, given they'll be away from their families for an extended time. Elsewhere, Josh Gordon is back. The league conditionally reinstated the Seahawks receiver from suspension. He'll be eligible to play in Seattle's final two regular season games. Over in Atlanta, all-pro Julio Jones was not able to practice Thursday as he continues to battle a hamstring injury, while Raiders running back Josh Jacobs was out as well. Dolphins rookie quarterback Tua Tagovailoa was limited in practice. He has a thumb injury, and the team says he'll be a game-time decision on Sunday. This has been NFL Network Now on the Westwood One Radio Network. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. The 3-0 Golden Gopher men's basketball team hosts North Dakota tonight at 8 o'clock at Williams Arena. Minnesota head coach Richard Patino says everyone has to be mindful of what players are going through at this time, playing through a pandemic.
2: These guys are very, very isolated, um, and it is a huge challenge And from a mental health standpoint. you know, and, and we're trying to make sure that we're on top of it as a coaching staff Unfortunately, you can't take them bowling. You can't take them to a movie theater. So you got to be as empathetic as possible. I mean, it sounds silly, uh, but every morning when I walk down there to get tested at 8 a.m., I'm looking at our guys. 8 a.m. is like 3 a.m. for a college student, and they're getting tested every single day. uh, So I hate it for them. But quite frankly, I hate it for everybody right now. You know, I, I don't know if anybody... Besides, maybe the Amazon uh, CEO is really killing it right now during a pandemic. You know, it's rough, and uh, you gotta let you gotta let our guys know that we're here for them. If they need any help outside of us, you know, we'll, we'll get it for them. Uh, but there there are some unique unique challenges right now besides basketball.
1: That's Golden Gopher Head Basketball Coach Richard Pitino. For more info on tonight's game, log on to Gophersports.com. That's the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Graham.
0: KDLM Detroit makes 1340 KDLM, the station you can count on. Welcome back to the Sports Wrap on a Friday morning. Vikings football on Sunday noon against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Vikings coming off that win against Carolina. More of a... An on-the-field win, but not so much a win that makes Vikings fans feel confident about the, the way they beat Carolina. Joined on the phone now by Joe Johnson from vikingsterritory.com. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. So what are your uh, feelings about this Vikings team? Uh, it's it's a win in the newspaper on Monday morning, but just the way that it happened with the two back-to-back defensive touchdowns, and it took a missed field goal to save the Vikings. Like Paul Allen said on the radio broadcast, the Vikings had no right to win that game on Sunday, but yet they, they came away with a W.
3: I'm not a huge like stats guy or analytics guy, I think, uh, which is kind of obvious, but that's a really rare thing, I'm sure, for a team to overcome. The turnover differential, mm-hmm. the the two defensive scores, the Vikings did not blow it and have a team actually miss a field goal for once. I don't remember that happening very often <laughs> in my 36 years on this planet. Um, but it's amazing to me how positive Vikings fans have been online this week um, because that game, I mean, was a hair. Well, not really a hair. It was kind of a bad field goal. But it was really close to them ending up losing that game and, and having another really good Kirk, uh, Kirk Cousins performance ruined uh, by mistakes. But people just seem, you know, maybe it's because we're playing Jacksonville this weekend. They just seem really positive and that the Vikings are going to end up making the postseason, season. So, so on and so forth. Maybe people are just emotionally burned out and they can't take it anymore. Mm. Um, There's the the frustrating part of it is there's some things within that game to feel good about the defense played better than they did against Dallas. Um, The outside of those two, Turnovers on back-to-back plays. The offense is arguably the best in the league. Yeah,
0: Delvin Delvin Cook named the 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 NFC Player of the the Month for November. Yeah, that's pretty good.
3: And Cousins was the NFC Player of the Week this week. You know, he seems to be firing all cylinders. Eland didn't play, Um, so I'm sure flags were at half staff uh, up in your neck of the woods all day. But they still, you know, played great. Justin Jefferson is just getting better and better week to week. His stats are are crazy his rookie years better than, you know, also the touchdowns, Mosses or Megatron's. He's had, especially compared to Megatron or DK Metcalf, like three fourths of the, of the the catches that they have. There's a lot to be positive about. It's just, they keep making these mistakes that are are either going to hurt them down the stretch. If they want to make the playoffs, or if they make the playoffs are going to really hurt their chance to make uh, a decent run, which this year in the NFC, they could, you know. So it's a little frustrating that they keep playing down to the level of these opponents just through the nature of these mistakes. But hopefully they'll 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 clean them up. I don't know. It's pretty late in the season to be saying that, though.
0: Looking ahead to this next weekend, Jacksonville kind of reminds me a lot of that Dallas game where a Viking, a lot of Vikings fan kind of wrote off that Dallas game as oh, it's going to be a win. For the Vikings, Andy Dalton coming off concussion and COVID-19 protocol. Zeke Elliott has not been the, 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 the Zeke Elliott we've known. The defense has busted up, and then Dallas stuns the Vikings 31-28. And I kind of have this weird pit in my stomach about this 1-10 in 10 Jacksonville Jaguars team, too, where this could be kind of a trap game. I, th- I think Gardner Minshew is back in this one, too, so that doesn't help the Vikings' cause.
3: Yeah, I think that they're going to face Glennon. He's there's a weird controversy. Oh, it is Mike Glennon. It
0: is Mike Glennon. Yeah. Well, the last time we, we,
3: he is ready to yeah. return, yep. but they're not going to play him. And I, I kept looking uh, before he called this morning for the tenth time at the stats between the two because I, I thought maybe I had them backwards or something, and I was just sleep deprived. But it's I don't really see what uh, Glennon. Per- did last week that was so spectacular he had like 57 percent completions and it's it's something Minshew was throwing at, he was at seven touchdowns three interceptions i think his problem is, is he doesn't have the best arm strength and he doesn't really do a lot across the middle of the field which i don't think the jaguars can be that picky right now they've they just set, basically bit by bit gotten rid of every single player that, that got them to where they were two seasons ago mm-hmm. um but i i totally totally agree with you. I have a really bad feeling about this game, too. It reminds me of the Cowboys game or the Falcons game, before that, even though the Falcons played better. Yeah.
0: Or that Bills game. Was, was the Bills game last year where the Vikings were like 34-point uh-huh. favorites at home and they, they lost like 35 nothing or something like that? It feels like one of those yeah, games. I don't most, know why.
3: That was the most Vikings things of all time. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's something that I, I do a Tuesday show with uh, Bob Sansevier, and he always says the Vikings don't know how to deal with success. And I always say, you know, I've always said the last couple of years, whenever Vikings fans all agree that we're going to win, we usually end up losing. Yep. Um, I think this is a little bit different than the Dallas game. Maybe I mean the Jaguars' defense on every level is bad. Um, not that the Cowboys' defense is spectacular. Our offense did really well against them. Um, you know, the, I guess the difference would be uh, Zeke had a good game against us, but the Jags have statistically the third best running back in the league right now in james robinson That's right. who's uh a bona fide star there so there's a little bit of a concern but you know you, the way i see it you know I, I want them to win i want them to win every week obviously uh, as a fan as a guy who, uh for a living covers the vikings it helps our my websites i guess when when the vikings win more people check stuff out but if we're really gonna be in a position where we're gonna lose to jacksonville then we uh we, we don't deserve to be in the playoffs anyway, so I don't think we should be that mad about it. Maybe sad about it. Or, uh, <laughs> that would just be a, a rough admission at this point. It's just again, it just feels like this team has a lot of potential, especially on offense and defense. They've shown flashes, and it just feels like they do. Either they they they. I mean, even the game against Dallas, there's there's a couple bad calls and a couple missed tackles, right? It's not mm-hmm. for those two missed tackles. Or the calls, the things could have been completely different. So, if they just clean up these mistakes, this game should be no problem, um, and they should be five hundred, and we should be uh, looking at at the Bucks, a team that's uh, been a lot like the Vikings this year, uh, up up and down each week.
0: Look at the injury reports for each team. Uh, I noticed that uh, Ben Ellifson, tight end, uh, did not participate in practice yesterday. Uh, Ben's notable; he's a uh, he's a Holly Nugget alumni, which is about uh, twenty minutes from Detroit Lake. So it's been. Awesome to see both Adam Thielen and Ben Ellefson, two two undrafted guys on the same NFL field. But we'll have to, to wait and see if Ben suits up on Sunday. But looking at the uh, the Vikings, uh, did not participate yesterday. Punter Britton Colquitt, Rashad Hill, uh, DJ Wanham uh, with that ankle and back injury. And also tight end yeah. Irv Smith. I remember talking earlier, maybe the first couple of games, we were wondering where Irv Smith was in terms of, you know, second-year guy now, Alabama supposed to be this big red zone threat, and then he finally breaks out, and now the Vikings seem to be missing that piece offensively too.
3: Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, I think that it, there was a little bit of a delay in passing the torch from from Rudolph to Irv Smith. You know, a lot of people think when they hear about Kubiak, they hear a lot about two or even three tight end sets, but that doesn't usually manifest itself historically with Kubiak anyway uh, into two tight ends actually getting – anywhere near a statistically significant amount of catches or balls thrown their way. They just do a lot of pass protections that way. Um, and, and it's hard to move away from Rudolph because he's just such a red zone threat. He catches 80% of the balls you throw his way. Um, but Irv Smith is such a uh, more dynamic tight end. He's He's really one of those new neo like wide receiver tight and hybrid type guys. Mm. Um and, and so you know, a lot of people are saying, well it's gonna be the end of Rudolph uh in Minnesota, which very well very well could be the case. He's he he's making too much money and he can still make too much money to to really justify having two guys if you're not gonna throw them both the ball consistently like like the Patriots like to do a couple of years ago. Um DJ Wangham's had a, uh, been getting better and better each week, so that's a huge blow. Starts to do a defensive line that's pretty thin anyways and young and young and inexperienced. They were they're, you know, coming up together. Um there's the Ezra Cleveland thing. Um he's missed the last two games. He was pra- he has been practicing this week, so um he may return. You know, I, I think that my hope is that when he does they'll move Brett Jones to left guard or I mean, I, I don't know how much you want to move him around uh, too much, but if you move Answer Cleveland back to to the left side and make him left guard since he's done so well at right guard mm-hmm. and he was a left tackle in college, keep Brett Jones at right guard, especially because the left guard position is the more important of the two, you could really have something special there because Brett Jones has been his first game. He had the highest grade of any of the five offensive linemen, and Dakota Docher has been bad i mean he's had three games <laughs> under 30 uh from pff this season so you know they, they put that together they really could have something special because i think even the bigger detractors of uh, cousins know that when he does have time he can be what he is which is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in nfl history and he's had more time this year he's dealt with pressure better he's been more mobile but uh when he's had that time it's clear that this offense can really you know create a pick your poison situation and so hopefully they uh make those changes especially if they win this weekend because then you know they're gonna have to beat tampa or new orleans split those two games win the other ones and, and they should be in decent shape to make the
0: season. you mentioned Ezra cleveland uh limited a participant in practice yesterday because of the ankle injury also brett jones uh limited in practice yesterday and Dalvin cook are we worried about his ankle injury or should he should he be good to go on sunday against the jaguars
3: I think it will be good to go, but it's something to keep an eye on. You know, he got really testy with a reporter this week at a conference call um, who asked him about wearing down late in the season, and he said, "You would you ask Derrick Henry that question? So I wrote an article saying, well, of course you wouldn't ask Derrick Henry that question. He's has two games in five years. We would ask you that question because you've missed 40% of the time that you've been available. Mm-hmm. Um it's a, it's not meant to insult you. It's a genuine question, especially when Kubiak has come out and said that he's been beat up the last couple of games because who, I mean, in his defense also, who wouldn't be, you know, he's given the ball 30, 35 times a game. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely something to keep an eye on because, you know, it's, he hasn't shown once in the now well, in three full seasons that he's been able to stay in the field uh, for the entire season last year. It looked like he was finally going to do that. And then he had the weird AC joint injury going into the playoffs. And then he was kind of not himself uh, in the playoffs. So it's definitely something worth looking at. Unfortunately, the Vikings can't really, you know, get away from what, him, they, you know, they need him to make this run that they need to make the postseason. So it's something to be concerned about, but they're going to have to just hope that, uh, you know, he heals and there's no further injury moving forward.
0: Dr. Joe Johnson from vikingsterritory.com. dot com. Pretty exciting night on Wednesday. Uh the very first show of the Vikings Territory breakdown aired on KDLM right around uh seven o'clock or so. Uh and some big names. You had Mike Wabshall on there and uh, former uh Vikings head coach Mike Tice joining you as well.
3: Yeah, we uh we were very, very, very honored to to do our first show each week. We're going to start the show with me and, and Joe Oberly, who's um uh, kind of a mainstay in the in the sports market down here. He's been credentialed with the Vikings to the Timberwolves for a really long time. He and I, we're doing a podcast called Morning Joe's for the last four years. That we evolved into the Vikings territory breakdown. But the third um, co-host each week will be Mike Tice for like about the first twenty-five thirty minutes. Then Joe and I will riff for ten or fifteen, and then we'll close the show either with Wobby or a special guest to break down the upcoming opponent. Um, and so, yeah, we uh, again, we're super, super honored to to be working with you guys. And I wanted to thank you personally, man, because you've done a lot to get our show on. And it was uh, a watershed moment for us to, to listen live on com and uh, and hear our show come on. It was it was pretty cool. So I hope people tune in. If they like the show. They can uh, listen to the old episodes of me and Joe just ranting incoherently on, on my website, or they can find the show. Uh, from this week on com too. It, I posted it this morning.
0: Yeah, a little good content on KDLM Wednesdays. we got the uh, the Twins Hot Stove Show at 6 o'clock. We've got uh, the Vikings Territory Breakdown at 7 o'clock. And then X's Nose with Mike Zimmer at 7.30, breaking down all the behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on uh, with the Vikings and the Twins Wednesdays on KDLM. But this Sunday, it's Vikings versus Jags, 11 o'clock pregame show, noon kickoff uh, Joe, thanks for joining us again today. Hopefully the Vikings win. We'll talk about a 6-6 six and six, back to 500 Vikings squad next Friday.
3: Awesome. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. It's finger licking good.
1: Sweet. Dude.
0: All right. Wrapping up the show on a Friday. Here's what we got going on in KDLM tonight. Gopher men's basketball taking on the University of North Dakota Finding Hawks down at the barn. 7.30 pregame show tonight. Tip-off with Mike Grimm at 8 o'clock right here on KDLM. Gopher Hockey also in action tonight. Looking to extend their five-game winning streak to start the season to 6-0. They're in Eastlands to take on the Michigan State Spartans tonight. Uh, Sunday, Gopher women's basketball team back on the court for the second time. Hopefully they've got more than 70 players this time. That was the case uh, in Wednesday's win against Eastern Illinois. Gopher women winning 72-68. to 68. Over Eastern Illinois. I think there's one more player that could return potentially from Minnesota. So we'll we'll see how many, uh, how many ladies Coach Lindsey Whalen has to work with against Drake on Sunday. And of course, the big game, Sunday. Vikings and Jacksonville Jaguars. If you missed any of the interview with Joe Johnson for VikingsTerritory.com, you can go back and re-listen to it on our podcast pad, page on demand at kdlmradio.com. Pre-game show, 11 o'clock with Paul Allen, Pete Bursage. Ben Lieber and the whole crew down at KFAN in the Twin Cities. Noon, kickoff from U.S. Bank Stadium. Vikings versus Jaguars on Sunday. That's followed by Sunday Night Football. Denver Broncos at the Kansas City Chiefs right around 725. That's wrap for the Sports Wrap. Back on Monday, 9.30 on the station. You can count on 1340 KDLM, Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. 10 o'clock right now. Here's CBS News followed by Off the Record with Zeke.